how do we know what happened after Jesus died, rose from the dead, and then ascended into heaven? I mean, when we look at the, the story of our Christian faith and, and how it started in, in Jerusalem with just a few uh, believers, who these believers, uh, they weren't really interested in letting people from other ethnic groups know about Jesus. Like, that wasn't their thing. They thought, Jesus is our Messiah. He's come back for us. And, and they weren't really interested even in starting a new religion. And so how did the gospel get from uh, Jerusalem and Judea to Rome, which was the, the center of power in the then known world? Like, we know it happened. Uh, but the, the only reason that we know it happened is because of the book of Acts. The book of Acts tells us how the gospel moved from Jerusalem to Rome and how it started with just a small sect within Judaism to become a worldwide movement. And so today, um, I want to give us some background to the book of Acts as we study it for the next uh, few weeks. I want to give us a framework for it. And as we go throughout this sermon series, sometimes it's going to be more teaching and sometimes it be more preaching, more admonishing. And, and so today's a, a bit more on the teaching side, giving us a, a framework for the book of Acts. So as we read it, as we study it together, uh, we, we have a, a frame of reference as we go through it. And so I encourage you to even take some notes. There's a, a place on your bulletin for taking notes. There's pens uh, on, your, on your chairs there to take notes as we go. And if, if you want extra credit, maybe even bring like a small journal. And that'll get you some extra points. Maybe not with Jesus, but with me. Um, so I encourage you to take notes. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Acts. It's page 758 on the Bible under your chair. Page 758. And once you've got that opened, tell me what the, the title is. What is the title you see in your Bible? Anybody? Which one? First Century Mission? All right. What's uh, any other titles for the, for the book of Acts? The Acts of the Apostles, right? When, we, when the Bible was put together, there were no titles to the books in the Bible. It, I don't know if you were aware of that. And, and so uh, the title that's most common in the USA is Acts, the book of Acts, or, or just Acts. And, but that begs the question, well, who, who is acting? And in the second century, uh, the title Acts of the Apostles was given to the to the book, and that's because when we read the book of Acts, the apostles are everywhere. Like, they're the ones leading the movement, they're the ones taking charge, and, and so it, it was called the um, Acts of the Apostles. However, that seems to overemphasize the human element, because behind the Acts of the Apostles is the Holy Spirit. So other people call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit from first to last is at every turn when we look through the, the book of Acts. And so you could rightly call it uh, Acts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's the, the promise of the Spirit, the outpouring of the Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's the witness of the Spirit, guidance by the Spirit. And, but this might overemphasize the, the divine element. And so if we're going to talk about this book of Acts... Uh, some scholars have given it different titles through the years, and I've, I've got a couple I'm going to put up on the, on the screen here for you. Um, but this first one's a mouthful. The continuing words and deeds of Jesus by his Spirit through his apostles. That's just way too long. That is way too long. I mean, I feel like everybody's included in that. Like that's in the book of Acts. But uh, So here's another one. Acts of the risen Lord by the Holy Spirit and through the church. 
basically the same thing, just a, a bit condensed. And this one's my, my favorite one. The Heaven on Earth Show. <laughs> that was a bit a creative scholar. And he said, the book is about what it looks like when the life of heaven comes to birth on earth. The Heaven on Earth Show. I think for our purposes, we can just call it Acts. Does that work with everybody? Disagreements, disputes. Um, so just some background information. Uh, Acts is the only sequel to the Gospels. Right? We have the, the four accounts of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then you have the book of Acts, which gives us like that next story. It's, it's the only one that continues the narrative. And without the book of Acts, the, the Apostle Paul wrote 13 letters, uh, give or take, depending on which scholars you read, uh, in the New, New Testament. So we're talking about uh, Romans and Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. And Paul's writings can be a little hard to understand. And if we didn't have the book of Acts, reading what Paul wrote would be almost incomprehensible. Like, what? What are you talking about, Paul? And so Acts is a, it's a sequel to the Gospels, but it's an introduction to Paul's writings and the other writings in the New Testament. Like, how, do we, how we got there. Um, so it's a sequel. It's an introduction. Um, so page, did you get there? Acts chapter 1, page 758. We're going to begin looking at a couple verses. In my former book, Theophilus, well, who's this guy? Theophilus. I mean, he has a cool name. And when we have another son, we're going to name him Theophilus. (laughs) Finally, that's some give and take. I mean, we're not having any more. But if we were... Theophilus would be a cool, a cool name. Um, now, in order for us to read the book of Acts, it's helpful to know who Theophilus was. And what I can tell you, we don't know. And if, if you ever hear, hear a preacher that, that goes into depth about who this Theophilus was, I mean, there's some speculation. His name means uh, loved by God or, or friend of God. And, and some scholars would say, well, this Theophilus, he represents all, all Christians, like the, the lover of God, like we are loved by God and so we can read this, uh, this book of Acts as being to ourselves. And I think we can read it that way. However, uh, this is not the first book that this author has written. In another book, he calls Theophilus most excellent Theophilus. So that seems to narrow it down to like this was somebody who, Acts, or who Luke was writing to with, uh, um, instead of just being a, a general type person. Does that make, make sense? We do think he was a Greek by his, his name. It's not a Jewish name. And, and so that's, that's what we know about Theophilus. So in my former book, he says, this wasn't the, the first book, and uh, this author also wrote Luke. And many times the books of Luke and Acts are studied together as Luke-Acts. Um, they just they put them both together. And, um, and in antiquity, and even today, if someone's writing a two-volume work and they write a prologue or a preface to the book, and they put it at the beginning of the first volume, it also is the preface to the second volume. Does that make sense? So if I'm going to write a, a work of history, and I know it's going to be two volumes, I might have a little introduction to my second book, but really my preface, the reason I'm writing, can go all the way back to the first book. So that's in the book of Luke. So we're going to turn there just for a moment, Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, Luke chapter 1. 
and it'll be on the screen as well. It says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. And so here Luke is claiming to write accurate history. Like I, I have researched these things, I, and this is what I found. And, and as we go through the book of Acts, we'll see that Luke actually had firsthand experience in some of the journeys of the Apostle Paul. But he's, he's talked with uh, some of the disciples that were with Jesus. He's gotten this eyewitness account. And, and so when we read the book of Acts, we see this church, and it, it's not always pretty. He, he, he portrays the, the tensions and the, and the persecutions, the oppositions, the, the frustrations of this, this newly born church of Jesus Christ. And, and so Acts is a, it serves as a transition from how God worked among the Jews providentially and then the transition to how it became a movement world, worldwide. Um, and without the book of Acts, we'd be in a, a lot of trouble as far as when we look back at, at the church and what this, this thing is supposed to look like. And uh, one historia, historian from Oxford, sounds better, right? When you say it, I don't even know what kind of accent that was. <laughs> it's sophisticated. Oxford. Uh, when, he, when they look at just the history of the book of Acts, he said the historical framework is exact. In terms of time and place and the details are precise and correct. One walks the streets and the marketplaces, the theaters and assemblies of first century Ephesus or Thessalonica with the author of Acts. In other words, scholars have found the account of Acts credible. It's not to say that they, they always believe the miracles, uh, but the, the accounts, I mean, when you, when you read it, um, the, the places, the, the times, the people, the, the proceedings that happen in, in the courtrooms, it's accurate. It is accurate, so it gives us trust that what we're reading is true. It gives some, uh, it verifies uh, the word of God. And so um, Acts chapter 1, we were, we were reading, we'll go back there. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven and giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, Luke was more than just a historian. He was also a teacher, and he's writing with a purpose in mind. And as we, we read the book of Acts, one of the things that, one of those purposes is that he was writing the book as an apologetic. And, and that's just basically a, fa a fancy way of saying he was defending the faith. Because Christianity started with a big handicap. What was that? Jesus died on a cross. That is a handicap to Jews who thought if a Messiah dies on a cross, he is not qualified to be a Messiah. And for the Romans, if you're telling a Roman, like, you're following Jesus, wasn't he, wasn't he executed? Like, as a criminal, and you want me to follow Jesus? And, and beyond that, everywhere Christianity went, it seemed like there were riots and demonstrations. And Acts, as he's writing, it's like, it wasn't the Christians, but it was the violent mobs that didn't understand what was happening that rose up. And so Acts is giving us a, a defense that, no, it, it wasn't the, um, the, the Christians who were causing the disturbances. Because even in 64 AD, the city, the Rome burned 
much of it burned to the ground in Nero, he blamed the Christians. And it just wasn't, wasn't true. Nero was crazy. Um, and, but there were always um, these, these, these uh, forces push, pushing back against uh, Christians. And so Luke wants to show that this new, re- new religion is not actually a new religion. It's a continuation of what God's been doing throughout history. Um, and, and critics even today would say, well, you can't really trust the Bible because the, the authors were writing with a certain slant, with a, a certain uh, purpose in mind. And I would say, yes, they were. But all history is written with a purpose. Okay, it's all written from a, a perspective. And, um, and when, when we look through history, Josephus was a Jewish historian and he, he wanted to validate the Jewish people and their God, and so he wrote from that perspective. Tacitus was a Roman historian who, who wanted to look back to the, the grand grandeur of Rome, and so he wrote from that perspective. And even uh, you take classes today in, in school and in history, and it can be a narrow history. It doesn't mean it's not true. It just means it's focusing on a certain thing. So you have church history. Uh, you, you might study African-American history. Uh, and so those authors are not... Um, uh, saying things that are untrue, but they're coming from a certain perspective. And I would agree that Luke, the author, is coming at this from a certain uh, perspective. And uh, he doesn't just give us the history of the early church, but the history of the mission of the church. And, and so he uses real history to teach us about the mission of men and women who have been captured by this incredible God and by this, this gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And um, he, he shows us, Luke shows us how this gospel, though it starts in Jerusalem, it's for every person, every man, every woman. Um, it's for the Samaritan. It's for the Gentile. It's for the high and mighty. It's for the lowly. Like there is no stopping this gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, context, context is important. And a couple weeks ago during the graduation season, you may have seen it in the news. There was a uh, valedictorian who was giving a speech, and he was in Kentucky, where it tends to be a bit more conservative. And he got to a, a point in his, uh, his speech, and this is, oh, this is what he said. He said, this is the part of my speech where I share some inspirational quotes I found on Google. <laughs> I like this guy. Um, and he goes on, he says, so here's a quote. Don't just get involved. Fight for your seat at the table. Better yet, fight for a seat at the head of the table. Donald J. Trump. And the audience goes crazy because they're mostly Trump supporters. Like, yeah, we love, we love Donald Trump. And then, and then he's like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. That's actually Barack Obama. And like the crowd is just like, eh. <laughs> you know, like, and it could have been, if it had been the other way, the same thing would have happened. Like if he had been in someplace else where it was more uh, President Obama supporters. But, but context and like knowing who said what, like they didn't like it because of who said it, but they did like it. That's how we are, right? That's how. So when we come to, to Scripture, it's important for us to know the context. It's important for us to know what's going on. And um, so that's what I'm trying to do today. Like, what, why did, did Luke write this? Why did, um, and we see that in Acts uh, chapter 1, the, the, his very purpose. He says, I wrote, in my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So if Luke is saying, Luke, the gospel of Luke is about what Jesus began to do and teach, 
what, what can we just assume that the book of Acts is about? What Jesus continued to do and teach. Um, and so for, for Luke, it wasn't, he wasn't thinking, well, the gospel is about Jesus and Acts is about uh, the apostles. Hmm. For Luke, it was all about Jesus. The whole story was about what Jesus was doing in, in history. And um, in this, this very first verse, I mean, sometimes we can skip over this when we're reading this kind of things, right? Like, let's get to the good stuff a couple chapters in where there's some shipwrecks and people getting uh, bit by snakes and thrown in prison, and we skip the first couple verses. Um, but this very first verse sets apart Christianity from other religions. Uh, and that other religions, the founders, like while they were alive, did their work, and they, they expected those who were following them to carry on their work. Uh, with Christianity, Jesus began to do the work. He, he lived, he died, he rose again. And, but now he's ascended to heaven. We're going to talk about the ascension next week and what it means. But uh, because he has ascended through the Holy Spirit, Jesus continues to work. Like, and when we do uh, the works that Jesus has called us to do, we are literally uh, working as Jesus in the here and now. And um, one, one guy put it this way. He says, this then is the kind of Jesus we believe in. He is both the historical Jesus who lived and the contemporary Jesus who lives. Let's try it one more time. He, he, uh, the historical Jesus who lived and the contemporary Jesus who lives. Amen. There we go. There we go. That's better. And so the purpose in Acts is to show what Jesus is doing in, throughout the apostles' lives, but it continues into our lives. It continues into our lives, what Jesus is doing through us. And so that is the purpose, to show and, and to teach what Jesus continues to do. But there's a few theme, a themes as we go through that I want to pull out just for a moment um, in our, the rest of our time together. And the, the first theme is that the Holy Spirit is at work. From first to last, you can't escape the overwhelming presence of the Holy Spirit. He is at every turn. And the church didn't start or grow uh, in its own power or enthusiasm, uh, but the disciples were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Um, and I had, a, I'm not gonna, I mean, I had two pages front and back of 10-point font of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to go through all that. You know what I'm talking about? But if, as you read, I'm going to give you an assignment to read the book of Acts when we're finished. But as you read, just make note of all the times the Spirit of God is mentioned. Like the Spirit of God, almost every chapter, the Spirit of God is up to work doing something, instructing Philip to, to be a witness, uh, filling Paul with the Spirit, um, giving comfort after, after there's been some tragedy in the church, um, Peter defending himself before the high priest in the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to read it all. That's what I said. And for us, the importance is, if the Holy Spirit was at work then, we should expect the Holy Spirit to be at work now. Like there was nothing in the book of Acts that says, all right, this is over. No more spirit. And we're just going to go through the motions. And like the same spirit that empowered the church is to be at work in us, empowering us. And, and we'll get there in a couple weeks. All right. That's, so that's one theme. The Holy Spirit is at work. The second theme is that the good news is an unstoppable movement. 
I mean, Acts presents this dynamic, growing community of believers from Jerusalem, it ends up in Syria, Africa, Asia, Europe. And in just the first century, Christianity spread to at least, at least 30 countries and provinces and islands from just a handful of people that were with Jesus. Like how did, it's this movement that cannot be stopped. And so in chapter one begins in Jerusalem, chapter eight ends in Rome. And uh, this interest in the unstoppable movement is even seen in what Luke doesn't tell us. Like there are some things that, like, Luke, why didn't you tell us more about the apostles? Like where, in the first chapter, it mentions all the 12 apostles, but after that, uh, a couple of them, here and there, there's the story of Peter, uh, there's the story of Paul, and some other people kind of come and go, but it, it's not a biography of the apostles. And I think that's intentional. And, and the only reason that those apostles are mentioned is how they contributed to the movement, like how the gospel spread. And so there's not much of a biography of the apostles. There's also not much about church organizations. Like how, how are we supposed to do this? On Sundays, um, like, uh, should there be one church, like one large church that has a bunch of small churches that tells them how to operate and sends them pastors, and like, that's, that's one church model? Or should each and every church be completely independent and, and do their, do, kind of do their own thing but work together? Should we, should we vote on, on deacons? Like, and it would almost be a little easier like, come on, Luke, just give us a few more details of what we're supposed to do. And, and so, but that is not the purpose of the book of Acts. And so he doesn't, he doesn't go into these, these details. And, but try as you might, you cannot stop the gospel. Um, and, and as we read, there's oppositions time and time again. There's imprisonment, beatings, there's plots, there's riots. And so there's, there's things without that, that lead to opposition. There's struggles within that lead to opposition that if, if this were just a man-made thing, it would have stopped. It would have stopped. Like, this is too hard. I'm going home. It ain't worth it. But the gospel cannot be stopped. And I'll share just a, a few highlights with you. That not the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, in Acts 5, 39, they brought in the disciples, told them don't preach in, that na- in the name of Jesus. And there, there's a wise man on the council and he says, if this is from God, you aren't going to be able to stop him. You will find yourself fighting against God. Not unbelieving Jews like Saul of Tarsus bent on destruction. So Saul is actively hunting down believers. And um, it says in Acts 8 that he went from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Prison could not stop the gospel. Not the church in Jerusalem. And I'm thinking, how would the church stop the gospel? Have you ever been part of a, a real unhealthy church, unhealthy situation? Um, in this particular church, in, this, in uh, Acts 11, the, the, the story of Christianity begins with, with the Jews and the blessings come from the Jews. And, and they, I mean, Peter, they thought, well, this is for us. And then some Gentiles baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they're like, well, if God gave them what he gave us, well, maybe this is for them just like it's for us. And so not even the church could stop the gospel from going forward. Not secular leaders could stop it. In Acts chapter 12, Herod has put some believers, uh, he's he's killed them, James is killed. But then at the end of the verse, it says that 
the end of the chapter, Herod dies, and it says the word of God continued to increase and spread. Now, Judaizers within the church, and those were, were Jews who had embraced the Gentiles as long as the Gentiles behaved like Jews. Like, you can have Jesus, but make sure you're following all our kosher laws as well. That couldn't stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. Religious and secular opposition, prison, riots in Ephesus, not shipwrecks, not snakes. Nothing could stop the movement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that, that should encourage us. In some regard, like that, should, that should give us hope. Um, and it, it should, like when the Holy Spirit is at work, there, there is movement, there is excitement, there is, there is growth, there is a motivation for, for witness, for loving our neighbors. And, um, and it's Luke's task, his, his goal that when he sets out, that he wants to prevent us from becoming mere spectators. To Jesus, mere spectators as believers, just fans of the message. The, the story of Jesus doesn't end with Jesus. It continues in the lives of those who believe in him. And in that same way, the supernatural doesn't stop with Jesus. And Luke, he makes it clear that, um, that these Christians in the book of Acts, they weren't spectators. They were participants with what God was doing. And that, that same invitation for us to participate is available. And we can come up with all kinds of reasons why God can't use us. You know, I'm not trained. I haven't been to seminary. Uh, as we go through the book of Acts, we're going to see these were not seminary trained people. Uh, but at one point, it's going to say that they took note that they had been with Jesus. That they had been with Jesus. And, and this, as we go through Acts, it's, it's going to challenge us like to see their faith to see their courage, like, am I living like that? Are you living with that much faith and that much courage to trust God and um, to believe God to, to show up, even in the midst of incredibly difficult circumstances? And uh, I want to encourage you as homework, here's the homework, to read through the book of Acts in the next, within the next two weeks. And, and to do so, like, in one or two settings, like, so instead of reading, like, two chapters here, two chapters, there's 28 chapters, so it's a bit, of, a bit of a read. So maybe break it up 14 chapters, 14 chapters, because that gives us a, a pers- perspective of, of the whole to start with. Like, off the bat, where are we headed? Where are we going? Right? Uh, as you read it, um, have, have your journal in hand or have a pen in hand. Underline certain words that stand out to you. Make observations of, of and this is just good Bible reading, Okay, in general, but make some observations, write down questions that, that you might have as, as we go through the book of Acts. Uh, write down challenges, um, things that God maybe begins to speak to you. It seems like the Holy Spirit was, was directing the church and people they laid hands on, and when they laid hands on, the Holy Spirit sent them out. Like There was something more than what I typically see in our North American churches, just to be quite honest with, with you. Like when I read it, it just doesn't line up to what my experience has been. And, and so as we read, I hope it is going to give you a deeper hunger for these things. And uh, Togi, if you want to come, it helps. Um, but as you read, put yourself in the place of the disciples. Like feel what they are feeling. Feel the, the joy when 3,000 people come to Jesus in one day. 
Um, feel the, I mean, the, the pain when one of their brothers is killed. Feel, like, read it from, from their perspective. And, um, and then ask yourself, what is your place in this movement? What is your place in this movement of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because it didn't end at chapter 28 in Acts. And we're going to get there, but the book just kind of ends without a conclusion. And most preachers will tell you they think that's because the book of Acts continues in our lives uh, today.